you've survived another week. This week, on episode 189 of The Urban Shooter, The Straw Man, Straw Purchases, LuckyGunner.com Interview, Zombie Strike Number 48, and Barbara Barrett of Women's Outdoor News talks about pink and the firearms industry. All this and more. Coming up no matter where you are. On planet Earth. With your friend and brother, Ken Blanchard. Crossbreedholsters.com presents the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank God for an expert. The weekly pro-gun variety show featuring the internationally known black man with a gun. Your friend and brother from a different mother. That's what I call a close encounter. Ken Blanchard. Love it. That is a star. You're going to love it. It's a classic. All right. All right. Congratulations on finding me. Now, don't keep me a secret. Tell somebody you listen to the Urban Shooter Podcast. It's the pro-gun variety show that features news, interviews, and how-tos of just about anything I can think that's good to pass on. I am your friend and your brother from a different mother, a pastor, an author, a media producer, an activist, a husband, a father, known as the black man with a gun. I'm here to share a laugh with you, pass on some good information, help you save some money, and provide positive information about guns, the industry, and just life in general. Thanks for taking me with you. You know, there's never enough time to do all the nothing you want. But I'm here for you. My email address is blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. And on Facebook, look for me under Ken Blanchard. That's Ken with two N's. And you can leave me a voicemail message toll-free in the U.S. at 888-675-0202. If you're ready, let's get started with episode 189. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. What an interesting week it's been, huh? Of course, this is your diversion from the norm. I was actually thinking about The Wizard of Oz the other day. You know, nobody really pays that thing any attention, but it has some really good details to it and some trivia and some urban legends and myths behind it. It's been around since 1939. Can you believe it? It was like a high-priced movie when it first came out. It broke the bank and didn't make any money back until it became a staple on television. Television saved The Wizard of Oz. And that song about the rainbow thing, that won an Oscar. Hey, do you know what Dorothy's whole name was? Yeah, she had a last name. She did. Okay, I'm not going to make you wait. It's Dorothy Gale. And the story is, she gets swept away by a tornado in Kansas. Everybody else goes down in the storm cellar, and she bumps her head on a window and wakes up in the magical land of Oz. And this original story was created by a dude by the name of L. Frank Baum. And he had a whole series of writings about the land of Oz. And the scarecrow is a prominent part of that whole thing. Because remember when the wizard gave them all what they were looking for? But they really already had it. 
and he left. Well, he appointed a scarecrow in charge to lead and guide with the uh, cowardly lion that's no longer cowardly and the tin man who was looking for a heart. So the three of them were all in charge equally. But the scarecrow really started ruling things until he turned it over later to somebody else, according to the story. And according to that story, the, the straw man, the scarecrow dude, was the wisest person in Oz. Isn't that something? So check out all those other stories that Frank Baum wrote about Oz. It's just interesting. If you've got kids in the car listening, if you've got children that haven't heard the whole story, you might want to grab a book. You won't see it in a movie, but it's a lot more to it. Like Emerald City was made by the wizard. When he had the wizard made people build it for him. And everybody had to wear green glasses to kind of keep up with the image, kind of like a rose-colored thing. Everybody was going to see green. The dude was a shyster from the beginning. Like, I think the scarecrow or Tin Man called him a humbug. That's the deal. He was a phony. Kind of like a politician is now. They give you an image and they put the glasses on you and they tell you something long enough and you're supposed to believe it. And that dude, all he wanted was a brain when he was the wisest person in all of Oz. I really dig that guy. For Halloween this year, actually, that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to be the the scarecrow. I didn't want to go scary either. I wanted to do like the whiz kind of guy, the Michael Jackson scarecrow, or even the dude from the 1939 movie. Um, Usually for Halloween, I dress up like, uh, I think I did Blade one time. um, One time I was, uh, well, for a long time, when I was doing the patrols in the street, Doing, you know, watching the kids and making sure nobody was messing with them. I was Don King. Now, Don King didn't scare nobody. I kind of looked like a, a black Super Saiyan, but that was that was back then. So this year, if I dress up, I'll do the uh, I do the scarecrow thing and try not to make it look like that Jeepers Creepers dude, even though I got the coat and the hat. It's just because I was how I dress. But I'm gonna try to make this thing look real funny and happy and. Because as I started reading about the Scarecrow, I'm kind of into this thing. But you know, a real life straw man, that's a criminal act. And I'm going to talk about that right after this. I could while away the hours conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching If I only had a brain I'd unravel every riddle for any individual In trouble or in pain With the thoughts I'd be thinking I could be another Lincoln If I only had a brain Oh, I could tell you why Oceans near the shore I could think of things I've never thought before And then I'd sit and think some more I would not just be a nothing My head all full of stuffing My heart all full of pain I would dance and I'd be merry Life could be a dingle dairy If I only had a brain
let me tell you what happened. I was looking at the post, uh, October 25th, 2010. And there was this huge article, maybe like four or five pages long about the dealer's choice. How accountable are they? And it was basically the post really dogging firearms dealers about letting guns into the streets like they do it illegally on purpose just for fun and giggles, you know. So I thought maybe people don't know about straw man and straw purchases and how bad it is. And that kind of got me on this whole straw man scarecrow tip. So that's where that came from. What is a straw purchase? Here's the technical term. A straw purchase is when a buyer uses an intermediary or a straw man to purchase a firearm from a licensed firearms dealer. And the purpose is to hide the true identity of the actual purchaser of the firearm. Now, a straw purchases are a felony violation of the Gun Control Act of 1968 for both the straw purchaser, who can be charged with lying on that federal form 4473, and the actual possessor. And frequently, the actual purchaser is a prohibited person under federal law. See, what happens is, you got a guy who is a criminal, cannot pass a background check. He knows it. But he's dating this really fine Sunday school teacher who's trying to give him a good break and he's going to protect her and he's going to marry her someday and he gives her the line but he needs a gun so he convinces her that she should buy this gun and he'll take it to the range and blah 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 and this happens a lot in the city well our Sunday school teacher is now a felon right along with her boyfriend who is just no good. Well, that's one scenario, but there's tons of them where people knowingly get somebody that can't buy one to get one for them. That is illegal. Now, the National Sports Shooting Foundation and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives have been working together for years to um, to educate people to make sure that dealers comply with all the stuff. I mean, it's not, not no secret thing. They even got a they got a program called Don't Lie for the Other Guy. And it's a big to-do. It's not anything new. Um, I know for a fact it's been going on at least since 2000. So 10 years of this program of educating firearms licensed dealers, educating the public. But the post makes it seem like anybody who operates a firearms business is a child of Satan, which is totally wrong. A straw man is a bad dude in the law. So my issue is about this dealer's choice. How accountable are they? Article from the Washington Post. It says that a year-long Washington Post investigation broke through the congressionally imposed secrecy surrounded federal gun tracing and, for the first time, has identified the dealers that sell the majority of crime guns, in quotations, in Virginia. There have been thousands of firearms dealers licensed in the state since 1998, but 60% of the 6,800 guns sold in Virginia at that time and later seized by police can be traced to just 40 dealers. The merchants include mom-and-pop gun shops, inner-city pawn dealers, and suburban sporting goods outlets. You see, it's so hard to even get a firearms dealership these days that 
all the guns coming into the city, all the guns coming into the state, are going to come from one of these people. It's like, duh. I guess I'm kind of angry. It's just kind of my rant because I would have a firearms dealership if I could. I really would. I mean, I'd love to have my own little gun shop. But I've learned over time, you don't make any money doing it. It's really tough. It's a labor of love. It's federal bureaucracy at its worst. You are the subject of a lot of stuff. And there's like a gun shop that I frequent here in Maryland. It's been in the city, not in the city, but in the suburbs of Maryland for a long time. It's the last shop left. And they blame it for everything except for the zombie apocalypse. I mean, it's just it's just rough to be in that industry right now. So frequent your local gun dealer. Make sure you take care of them. Really, it's tough. The Minister of Defense, the pastor of Paladins, Patriots, and Pistoleros will be right back after these commercials. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com. Hi, this is Martin Headington of the Black Gun Owners Association of South Africa. Right now, gun control in our country is costing many of us our safety by withholding the people's right to legally own any firearm they can afford to buy. Gun control is stripping us of our God-given duty to protect our families and loved ones against harm from violent criminals. So, if you're an American citizen or an Urban Shooter podcast listener, don't let this happen to you. In our view, gun control per se is fundamentally evil. All right, let's cut that out before I have some bad dreams. Hey, Barbara, what you got for me this week? Hey, Urban Shooter. This is Barbara Baird, Women's Outdoor News. The pink wrap-up. It's the 25th anniversary of National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and by now, I'm sure you have seen plenty of pink. In fact, the pink I've seen that correlates to this cause reminds me of Pepto-Bismol, and frankly, that brings back bad memories. Pink is a hot topic, though, in the gun world. The firearms industry has embraced pink, or at least given it one of those air-to-air kisses that we see at social gatherings where people don't really want to exchange germs. Now, if we're talking about pink pistols, we need to clarify that we are not talking about the gay gun rights organization in the U.S. and Canada with said name. Their motto, pick on someone your own caliber and armed gays don't get bashed. This is a topic I want to explore later, for it combines a liberal issue of gay rights with a conservative issue of pro-gun and, of course, Second Amendment rights. My pal, outdoor writer Marilyn Stone from Colorado, wrote about pink in the outdoor industry in the latest issue of Shot Business magazine. She reported that older women, that would be 50 and older, favor more sedate colors, while younger women go for the hot pink on tools and accessories. I'm thinking of two pink pistols that I've shot. I liked one, and I didn't like the other. The one I liked, the Smith & Wesson M&P JG, is named for pro-shooter Julie Golosky-Golub. 
It features a Warren Tactical Rear Sight Fiber Optic Front Sight, two pink grip inserts in size small and medium, and three black standard grip inserts. It comes engraved with a pink awareness ribbon on its slide. A portion of its proceeds will be donated to a breast cancer awareness charity. It retails for $782 at Smith & Wesson's website. I've shot this one, the Smith & Wesson M&P JG, at Babes with Bullets camps, and I like how it handles. The other gun, a Charter Arms Pink Lady, is a variation of the company's popular 38 Special Undercover Light. It is a revolver that holds five shots, weighs 12 ounces, and features a unique and attractive pink finish. I have to say, it hurts. With a two-inch barrel, what did I expect? It's a carry gun, not a target gun, with a suggested retail price of $470. To wrap up this installment of Pink, I heard from Camp Director of Babes with Bullets, Deb Ferns, also known as the Princess of Pink. The camps, sponsored by Smith & Wesson and the United States Practical Shooting Association, offer practical pistol training for novice, intermediate, and advanced women shooters. The name Babes is like pink in the industry. Many women love to hate the name. However, as Ferns told me, imagine a camp called just Ladies Action Shooting Camp, and then imagine trying to get mainstream media interested in covering that camp. Now imagine a camp called Babes with Bullets. Which one are you going to send your camera crew out to cover? Many in the gun industry and the nation are aware of Babes with Bullets, ladies' action-shooting pistol camps, held since April 2004 under the supervision of Kay Michalek. Kay is a 14-time national champion in rifle, pistol, shotgun, and she has recruited many of the top female shooters in the country, instructors that offer the unique ability to reach out to women shooters. According to Michalek, Babes with Bullets has a few openings in its premier rifle camp that will be held on November 3rd through 6th at her private range in Princeton, Louisiana. You can see babeswithbullets.com to register for this camp or any of the other upcoming camps across the nation. See www.babeswithbullets.com for more information. To read news, reviews, and stories about women in the outdoors, see www.womensoutdoornews.com. This is Barbara Baird. Thank you so much, Barbara. Last week, I also mentioned that uh, there was a new service that was offered to Urban Shooter listeners. I want to make sure you didn't forget it. I want you to go to slateandjones.com. That's S-L-A-T-E-A-N-D-J-O-N-E-S.com. Slate and Jones. They are attorneys, pro-gun, Second Amendment attorneys. They have offered a membership site. It costs 99 bucks to join. And when you join, <clears throat> you get the gold shield of protection. What that means is when you need a lawyer, when you have defended your life, when you have protected your castle, when you need an attorney, whether it be civil or criminal, they will make sure you get a phone number so that before the police arrive, the cops are talking to your, your attorney. All right, this is something totally new. It's not one of those multi-level marketing deals that uh, folks been trying to pimp for years. This is something brand new. This group of attorneys is finding pro-Second Amendment, pro-criminal, pro-civil defense, 
you know, they, they're really real lawyers where you live. And they'll get that person to give you their number. It's your insurance policy. If you carry concealed, you need this. And to make this even special for me, for my listeners, you get $20 off. So when you sign up, when you go to slateandjones.com and you check on the Gold Shield member button or you call 509-684-1800 and you join, put in Ken Blanchard in the coupon part and you'll save 20 bucks. That's Ken with two N's. You know, you know how I roll. Capitalize Ken Blanchard. Put it right in that coupon thing. Save 20 bucks. I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to help you out. If you defend yourself, if you ever come into trouble, then you need this. I don't care where you are. But get on now. Slateandjones.com. Wow. I really beat that up, didn't I? I must feel somebody's about to get in trouble. <sighs> Hope not. But, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Let's check out LuckyGunner.com. Brian, welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank you for having me, Ken. Man, tell me about Lucky Gunner. It's pretty simple. Um... Online ammunition retailer started back in March of uh, 2009, and um, been growing like a weed ever since. And uh, we sell just about every type of ammo that you could, uh, you know, you could ever need. Whether it's handgun ammo, rifle ammo, rimfire ammo, shotgun ammo, um, we've got all, all all different calibers. And then uh, we've also got reloading supplies. So if you're wanting to. Uh, um, reload your own ammo. We've got primers and casings and and bullets. Um, so we're we're uh, we strive to be the the one stop shop for all things that go bang in your weapon. Oh, that works for me, man. So that's luckygunner.com. <laughs> yeah, Lucky Gunner. This has been a big surge. Everybody's saying, well, it's hard to find X type of ammo. Have you heard that too? What what do you do with that? Yeah, we uh, actually the, the the company was based on um, two, I don't want to call them trends, but, uh, um, you know, as, as a result of the recession mm-hmm. and as a result of, uh, um, of Obama being elected, um, the, uh, the, the, the demand for um, guns and ammunition, it really spiked uh, towards the end of 2008, and that carried through um, early 2009. And, uh, and so a couple of the other co-founders of the company, um, saw that it was essentially uh, impossible to get a couple key calibers online regularly. Um, things like 45 ACP ammo and, uh, and 380 auto ammo, they were uh, um, extremely hard to come by. And um, so the, the, the couple of the co-founders, we, we got together and, uh, and set out a premise of um, finding the hard-to-find ammo that, uh, that the other retailers didn't have. And then when we had it, um, we'd display it on the site, and we would have a live inventory counter on the site that reflected uh, exactly how much of it we had in stock. So um, it, that th- those two things really resonated with um, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the folks who owned weapons. Um, the fact that they could order from us and they would get it, um, 
you know, typically within one to two, maybe three business days. Um, and, uh, and the fact that we had calibers that, that people were looking for and that a lot of other sites didn't have in stock. So those were, those were the, the two factors that really helped the site grow initially. Oh, that's cool, man. So you're, you got ammo. It's always in stock. You ship real fast and you guarantee that you got it. And is there a limit to how much ammo a person can buy? There's not. Um, you know, you can, uh, we actually want you to buy as much as, uh, as, as much as you need and as much as you want. Um, there are a couple limitations around states where we can't ship ammo to. So mm-hmm. if you're in Alaska or you're in Hawaii, um, we can't actually ship ammunition to either one of those two states. And uh, as, as I understand it, it's because um, UPS or FedEx won't actually handle um, air freight that uh, that is explosive. So um, stuff like ammunition, you can't ship through the air, so it goes ground. Okay, so outside the continental U.S., you can't do it. Outside the continental U.S., exactly. All right. Nine millimeter is still my favorite, and you got plenty of that, right? That's that's that sells like hotcakes. Yeah, that's our best selling caliber. Oh, good deal. And forty five comes in my close second. <laughs> that works for me, yeah. man. That works for me. Are you a shooter yourself? Yeah, I uh I've got a I've got a Glock um to 357 Sig, but uh um, it's, a, it's a nice gun. It yeah, it, it does the job. We'll, we'll, we'll put it that way. That's that's serious. Yeah, man. That's like a knowledgeable <laughs> shooter there with a 357 as your concealed carry pistol. Well, I uh you know, I'm based in California, and they don't uh, they, oh, they don't yeah. give out concealed carry permits out here in California. Yeah, we got to work on that one. Yeah, that's that, that's a whole other host of issues. It's not whether uh, whether I can shoot straight. It's question uh, if I can even have the gun with me when I need it. I heard that, man. We're gonna keep working. You keep doing Lucky Gunner like you're doing, and we're gonna work on the activism part from this side. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, you're close to uh, where they're making half these uh, half these goofy laws. You know, coming out yeah. of DC. Yeah, I'm near the land of Oz. <laughs> yes, I'm right, right here, right here in Emerald like City. It. Hey, Lucky Luck Gunner, your your um, logo—that's kind of a cool logo, man. Tell me about this logo. Oh man! Um, all right, so uh, the you know it's it's essentially uh, this guy Lucky. I mean, that's what we call him um, with the little clover leaf in his mouth. Yeah, uh, you know trying to play on the theme of being uh, of getting lucky um you know if you come to the site and uh um, you'll find exactly what you're looking for and that's you know essentially lucky rocking dude um, thanks man so uh so yeah we'll uh, uh i'll keep an eye on the podcast i'm curious to hear what uh what I actually sound like on on an mp3 and um and uh but i'll follow up the email it'll probably be tomorrow before i get the email out no problem sound good sounds good man have a great evening all right, thanks for calling, Ken. You're welcome, buddy. Talk to you later. All right, man. Peace. Bye-bye. You don't have to wear something silky to listen to The Urban Shooter, but it's not a bad idea. Catch Ken Blanchard and the rest of the podcasters at the Gun Rights Radio Network. All right, you can put away your silky right now. We're going to talk about last week on Zombie Strike. Slim, Quentin, and the Steve recover from a huge artillery blast from the U.S. Army Anti-Zombie Task Force Number 11 Rescue on Skull Island. Now, the boys were held up like Spartans against the Persians when the cavalry arrived at the maze that they got stuck in. 
and the team meets Chief Warrant Officer Officer Stahl and some modern-day zombie-stomping, long-range romping recon patrol members. And before you could say a wop baba loobop a wop bam boom a great ball of fire plummeted to the ground, signaling the all-too-powerful minion was still alive and kicking somewhere nearby. Back in D.C., Mateo Cortez and Agent Tredegar watched the FBI advance on the last known whereabouts of the guy that had kidnapped Mateo's ex-wife, assisted in the killings and near-killing of Ken Blanchard and Nigel Brown, and hurt Mercedes, his five-year-old daughter. As SWAT teams move in, Mateo's spider senses start to tingle, but the warning comes too late as the place they are advancing into goes boom. Oh, snap. Well, out of the flames come the familiar motion of zombies. It was a trap. Man, I am sick of these bad guys. But our guy Mateo jumps out of the observation van and starts to do what he does well. Bus caps on the dead. He goes into the house looking for survivors and encounters his ex-wife, now a zombie herself. Oh. He can't shoot her. His mind is locked in a Kodak moment. The little 8mm reel is playing all the happy times. The zombie is trapped temporarily or she would have got him. He's going back down memory lane. But the movie is cut short as somebody behind him blasts the zombie with two hammered pairs from a Glock safe action pistol. And the shooter was none other than Colin. What? And that takes us to episode number 48 of Zombie Strike. This is... Zombie Strike. Part 48. Skull Island, South Pacific. 25 July 2010. 0800 hours local. Countdown. One year. Three months. Six days. Slim Thomas froze as he felt the slight thrumming. His fist halted Quentin and the soldiers. His eyes scanned the immediate area. The hedge-lined pathway was a straight line for about another five meters before taking a sharp right. On the other side of the right hedge was a cul-de-sac. Slim guessed the minion was hiding there. Odd shape in the grass caught his attention. It looked like a coin. In fact, it looked like a British pound coin. Slim motioned for Quentin and Chief Stahl to move up. As they joined Slim, he pointed at the coin with his weapon. Quentin frowned, but the chief just nodded. Target behind right hedge suggestions. Slim tapped out on his PDA. Chief Stahl pointed to two of his soldiers. Convoluted hand signals flashed from between the chief warrant officer and the soldiers. The two slung their M4s and unstrapped unfamiliar weapons from their backs. They looked like bullpup submachine guns. The two soldiers backed up to the left hedge and aimed their weapons skyward. They braced, clearly waiting for the chief signal. Slim felt the thrumming speed up an instant before the fireball erupted from the hedge. Slim turned away as the flash of heat and brilliant flame. Screams of pain and terror filled the air. Slim looked back to see a burnt hole where the two soldiers were standing. Another two soldiers were screaming as they grasped at flesh that looked like melted wax. Slim swallowed the urge to vomit. The minion dropped into their midst. 
Slim saw the blue flame flicker in his hand. Instinctively, he snapped off the shot. The minion let out a yelp of pain as the lighter was torn out of his hand. Seeing an opening in the minion's shield, Quentin and Chief Stahl opened fire. The bullet stopped in mid-air as they hit the minion's shield. Slim really hated smart minions, especially smart and fast minions. All of you are getting too good, the minion snarled in anger. The minion flicked his wrist. The coin sailed over them and landed lightly in the minion's hand. He almost looked disappointed as he stared briefly at the coin, like it had failed to fulfill its destiny. Chief Stahl snapped off another burst. The minion glared indignantly at the chief warrant officer as the bullet smacked harmlessly against the shield. The minion raised his hand menacingly at Chief Stahl. The soldier unflinchingly kept his M4 trained on the minion. Then the unit's saw opened up. The burst of gunfire caught the minion by surprise. The bullet stopped a good yard from the minion, but the strain was evident. The minion focused intensely on the gunner. Slim and Quentin opened up with their weapons. The minion's head snapped toward them as their bullets started impacting the shield. Screaming in frustration, the minion backed up through the still burning hole in the cold sack. Slim, Quentin, and the saw gunner poured fire into the cul-de-sac. The hedge dissolved as round after round tore through it. The chief fired a couple of bursts, but stopped. He plucked a grenade from his web gear. Chief Stahl pulled the pin, released the spoon, and held the grenade in his hand. He mouthed the numbers as he counted off. On three, the grenade sailed over the hedge. The four men dropped to the ground. Slim felt the grenade explode, but the sound seemed muted. Chief Stahl was up and moving to the hole in the hedge. Slim leaped up and followed the soldier, but stopped as the chief just stood at the opening. Slim walked up next to Chief Stahl. The minion was on the ground, bleeding from a dozen ragged holes. He writhed in pain, but stopped as he caught sight of Slim and Chief Stahl standing at the edge of the invisible barrier. The minion let out a wet-sounding laugh. Slim felt an uncomfortable chill run down his spine. If Chief Stahl felt anything, he didn't show it. By the flailed one himself, I didn't expect that. The minion croaked. He spat a mouthful of blood. His eyes bore into Stahl with a sincere smile spread across his face. How did you figure it out? Your little coin didn't come straight to you, Stahl said flatly flew over the barrier. Well, why don't you jump over the little shield and come get me? The minion taunted. Saw what you did to the predator, Stahl said. We'll just wait till you lose consciousness from blood loss and then come to get you. You killed two of my men and seriously hurt another couple. I can be patient. It's going to be amusing to watch you as you spill your guts to our intel people. Stahl's flat tone shifted into a controlled rage. Long wait, soldier boy, the minion said. I am gifted with the flail one's own power. This wounds will heal up before I am in any danger. Then I will finish you off. I think you're bluffing, Chief Stahl replied. Ask the hunter standing next to you. They've seen what the champions of truth can do. And I'm not one of the weak ones. 
Stahl frowned and yanked Slim out of the minion's sight. The minion laughed as the two men walked away. He's not bluffing. I know, Stahl said, walking over to the saw gunner. Evacuate Dwayne and Bill. We can use that hole. Stahl pointed to the smoking hole where his two soldiers had been killed. Already took care of it, the soldier replied. As if on cue, an MRAP backed up to the hole. Soldiers spilled out of the armored vehicle and swarmed over the two burned soldiers. Satisfied that his soldiers were being cared for, Stahl kneeled down. For a moment, Slim thought the soldier was praying. Then he saw the chief was burying something. Slim, you and Quentin may want to get in the truck, Stahl said, motioning to the MRAP. Mine-resistant ambush protected armored vehicle. I thought we were going to wait for his shield to drop so we could capture him, Slim said, his eyebrow arching. I'm not that stupid. That one's too powerful, Stahl said quietly. As soon as we're clear, that one's going to get a taste of an 8-inch. See him shoot that out of the sky. Slim nodded reluctantly and followed his teammate into the armored truck. The vehicle roared out of the maze. Mere seconds later, Slim heard the distant thunder. Moments later, he watched as the maze was obliterated as the artillery shells rained down. Washington, D.C., 26 July 2010. 2345 hours local. Countdown. One year. Three months. Five days. Mateo Cortez froze in surprise at seeing Colin Dubois' dirty face. The sudden surge of emotions flooded him, and he couldn't fight it. It was just too much. Then his rage cut through the eternal storm. Colin wasn't his friend and trusted mentor. Mateo jerked the carbine up. Colin needed to die for his betrayal. Colin saw the shift in Mateo's eyes and was already moving before Mateo started to raise his weapon. Colin wrenched the carbine out of Mateo's hand. It clattered to the floor as Colin slid behind Mateo. In a few blindingly fast moves, Colin restrained his former team leader. Mateo struggled, but quickly recognized the hold. He wasn't going to break it, and trying was just going to end up with Mateo dislocating his shoulder again. The room was suddenly bathed in the brilliant white light of several weapon-mounted flashlights. Colin stepped back and crouched behind Mateo. Agent Tredegar stood in the center of a half-dozen of SWAT agents. Tredegar was bleeding from several places, but he didn't seem to notice. He kept his pistol at the low ready. Colin Dubois, I am Sergeant Agent Tredegar, the federal agent shouted. We have you surrounded. Surrender now and we can help you. Don't bloody think so, mate, Colin shot back. Only Matty here can help me. Why don't you bugger off so he can get to work? I'm going to kill you, Mateo seethed. He managed to crane his head around to glimpse at Colin. Matty. It's not what you think, but I can't talk up with the FBI about. Colin replied under his breath. Mateo sensed Colin was telling him the truth, and part of him wanted to believe Colin. Then the image of Mercedes in the hospital flashed through his mind. The cold rage swept away any remnants of compassion. Listen, Colin, 
we want to stop the truth as much as you do, Tredegar said. His commanding tone melted into an understanding one. Tredegar lowered his pistol. You wouldn't have sent Mateo that recording if you weren't trying to stop the truth. Let us help you. Listen, mate. I've read the manual, too. I was doing the hostage rescue thing when you were just figuring out that girls smell nice. We both know what's going to happen once I let you take me, and we don't have time for that. Mateo looked at Tredegar. He could tell that Tredegar believed Colin, believed that there was more than met the eye. Tredegar was weakening as his need to stop the truth clashed with his need to bring in Colin. Mateo made his decision. The hold Colin had Mateo in was unbreakable, unless you were willing to go through a lot of pain. Mateo took a deep breath. Colin realized what was happening an instant too late. The familiar pain shot through Mateo as he wrenched out of Colin's grip. He felt his shoulder pop as he fell to the floor. Colin released him just before he did some permanent damage. The FBI agents dogpiled Colin. None were willing to take the slightest chance with someone they knew to be extremely dangerous. Mateo met Colin's eyes as more people swarmed into the house. The look of understanding and sorrow bothered Mateo. He didn't know why. As the FBI led the manacled Colin out of the house, Mateo dreaded he'd made the wrong choice. This concludes another installment of the narrated story Zombie Strike by Derek Ward. Join us next time for another exciting edition of the ongoing saga. This product is protected by copyright owned by Blanchard Studios, Kenneth Blanchard, and other individuals or entities. Any production, retransmission, republication, or any other use of part or audio found on this site is expressly prohibited unless prior written permission has been granted by Kenneth Blanchard or the appropriate copyright owner. All other rights reserved. Hey. Have you ordered your zombie targets yet? They're exclusively on the Urban Shooter Podcast. And the proceeds, all 40 cents of it, goes to support In the Wilderness Ministries at itwm.org. Or yours today at urbanshooterpodcast.com or blackmanwithagun.com. And remember, rule number one, cardio is very important. You can outrun a zombie if you're fit. Rule number two, don't be cheap on ammo. Double tap the head. Rule number three, always check the back seat of your vehicle before driving off. Tis the season for zombies on the Urban Shooter Podcast. All right, that concludes this week's show. I want to thank you for joining me again. I want to give a quick shout out to John and Sarah Green. Congratulations on their new marriage. Also, Layla and Chad, congratulations to you. Hope Paul is doing better physically. Shout out to Leroy, Michael WD, Brian from Lucky Gunner. Thank you, man. I want to say hi to Tristan, Daniel, Clifton, retired Rick, Dick, Bob, and Johnny, all new members of the Urban Shooter list. And you can join it too. It's free of charge. And it just gets you a chance to stay in contact with me. This is a free podcast. 
but it's sponsored by members of the Urban Shooter Association. And that's not the people on the list, but some of them are. You can just join. I send out an email about once a month, maybe, with what's going on. And it's just a way to keep in touch. If you want to support the show, though, I could use that. $4 a month, cup of a price of a cup of coffee. Keep yours truly on the road. Hope things are going all right where you are. It's election time, man. It's getting kind of crazy. I am sick of all the calls and all the stuff that's going down. Remember, a dead fish can float downstream, but it takes a live one to swim upstream. Stick to your guns. Do what you know is right. Make sure you vote. Vote on principle. Vote your heart. Vote what makes sense to you. Thanks to all my friends on Facebook and a good shout out to Leonardo. Thank you, man, for touching bases with me. One of my newest friends, Richard, hurt himself around Labor Day and just let you know, man, I miss you like real bad. So get well soon. I ask you to check out blackmanwithagun.com. I kind of updated it a little bit and um, I have my own forum too, if you didn't know that. It's blackmanwithagun.info. It's a little quiet little form. Not making too much of a dent anywhere, but you want to get your point across and talk to a few like-minded people, check out my form at blackmanwithagun.info. Until next week, this is your friend and your brother from a different mother wishing you peace. Shalom, baby. It's true. There's no other wizard except me. You humbug. Yes, it's exactly so. I'm a humbug. Oh, you're a very bad man. Oh, no, my dear. I'm a very good man. I'm just a very bad wizard.